0: Thank you for joining the Faith Chapel Podcast. Wherever you may be joining us, we hope you know you are loved and that this message encourages you. I love you just the way you are. And she reads between lines, she goes, I'll change. I'll change, right? I'll change. I mean, we get caught in those situations. Here's what the experts say. The experts say that if you use it too much, it has the reverse effect. Well, to be honest, well, to be honest, to be honest. Some people go, well, are you not being honest all the other times? And what's even more interesting is that Jesus used a similar terminology. You you know it in Scripture. He said, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. What's he saying? To be honest. You've heard it said, but let me be honest with you. Let me tell you the truth. Let me put it out there the way it really is. Let me just put it the way it is so, so there's absolute clarity about what's going on in this. In this message today, we're going to deal with the subject matter that deals with how much can I get away with? How much can I get away with? I know we talked last week that we do sexuality, and I got about halfway through the message. I said, there's no way I can do that on Mother's Day. <laughs> so wisdom prevailed, and we'll move that to a different Sunday. But today, I want to talk to you about how much can I get away, away with? Now, I've heard this questioner's derivative many, many times in you know, my years of being in ministry. And it's really only half a question, isn't it? Because it's really only half a question because if this is the proverbial line that is in the sand and we don't know where it is, here's what people are asking. People are saying, "How, how much can I get away with without crossing the line? How much can I get away with without losing my Christianity? How much can I get away with and still go to heaven? That's what they really want to know. They want, how much can I really get as close to the edge as I possibly can and I don't lose out with God or I can still be a Christian? That's really what they're asking. And and they they really want to know that. And and here's what I've known through my years of experience. And it may not be this way for you, but if you're asking that question, most of the time you've already have one over the line and you're about to put the other one on on the other side because you're asking the question maybe already in a position where you're, too, too late. It's almost like people are saying this I don't want to be too, too much of a Christian. Or I, I, I don't want to be too, too holy. I, I mean, I don't want to be so holy that I'm over here. I mean, I, I, God doesn't, surely God doesn't want me to live over here. I don't be too much of a Christian. I don't want to be too holy. I don't want to be too religious. I don't be much of, too much of a church member. I don't want to be too much of a fanatic. How do you remember the days that if just because you were in a Pentecostal church, you were already over here? Right? Oh, you go to a Pentecostal church. You're one of those people. Like they already magically moved you way over here, right? You're all the way over here. And what happens in our culture is things begin to shift and begin to change like a pendulum, and we want to come all the way over. Like, how much can I? I want to stay on this side, but I don't want it to do too much. That's almost what they're saying. And I think there's I think there's an intention behind that. There's a there's a perspective behind that kind of conversation that's just wrong. Like instead of saying, how much can I get away with? I don't want to be too holy. We should be saying, how holy does God require us to be? Instead of saying, well, I, I want to be modest, but I don't want to be too modest. Maybe we should ask, how, how, how modest does God require us to be? Instead of being all the way over here and saying, well, I want to be a Christian, but I want to, no, no, maybe we should be over here and say, God, what do you want me to be? You're the one that designed me. You're the one that created me. You're the one that knows me. You know the end from the beginning. You have a purpose and a plan for my life. And so, God, I want to do what you want me to do. But that's not the way it is in our culture. We're allowing culture to come into the church. We're allowing culture to come into our world. And, and so we began to ask this question, how close to here can I get? We want to live right on the edge. We want to live right on the edge. How many you like reality TV? Anybody like reality TV? That, and you know by now it's not so real, but it's reality TV. How many of you, how many, if you're like, how many Animal Planet, maybe Animal Planet followers? I know I'm already a geek right now by most people's standards. Pastor, you watch Animal Planet. But there's a show on Animal Planet where, where there's a guy that goes into black, murky waters in the southeastern part of the United States, into the Everglades. He swims to the bottom of that water when he can't see it and he fills around for alligators and then he f- picks them up while they're sleeping and brings them to the surface. I just wonder, they're sitting in a production studio somewhere and they're going, how can we come up with a new show? I wonder if we could get a guy <laughs> to go into Blackwater where there's a bunch of alligators that are sleeping and he could not know where they are. He's starting to feel for them at the bottom of, of that water and he grabs them with his bare hands and he comes to the surface. I wonder if he'd let us film that. That's on the edge. I mean, there's another show on there where a guy teaches you how to get close enough to a shark, a hammerhead shark, and grab him by the both eyes on the hammerhead. And he takes you for this joy ride bigger than any other carnival ride you've ever been on. And then, you know, hopefully survive. That's living on the edge. I mean, that's a true thing that happens. We love it when it's on TV land, right? But in the non-TV reality that we live in, living on the edge isn't so great. And the reason why we like it when it's on TV is because if there's an opportunity for someone on real TV to get eaten by an alligator, we're watching, right? He didn't come up. It's been a long time. Oh, wait a minute, there's an arm. Maybe we should go down there. Like we're going, that's awesome. We love it when somebody else is living on the edge and maybe you're one of those people. But here's the problem with living right here. Just one slip up, one bad choice, one moral decision, one financial bad decision, just one mistake and you're right here. So, well, that's what Christie is all about. it It's about the good and the bad, keeping record right and wrong. I knew it. No, that's not what it is at all. In fact, God's invitation to you is not to live here, but to actually live way over here. And the reason why he wants you to live over here is because he knows that you're going to stumble and fall. In fact, I'll I'll prove it. How many of you have made a mistake in your lifetime? Oh, yeah. Well, all of us. How many today you've made a mistake today, right? Some of you just getting up. It was a mistake. Yep, I knew it. I blew it. Should have just stayed in bed, right? And see, the Bible knows that. He goes, though a righteous man stumbles seven times. He gets back up again and, oh, it didn't cost me everything in my life. It didn't cost me my marriage. It didn't cost me financial security. It didn't cost me my testimony. It didn't cost me my relationship with my children. It didn't cost me my job. It didn't cost me everything because I'm over here. And he says, even though a righteous man stumbles seven times, he gets back up again. But it didn't cost him everything. But if you have the mentality that you want to live right here, and then you stumble and fall, oh, all of a sudden you've lost your family. You've lost your job. Depending on your job and depending on your situation, you might be on the nightly news. And now all of a sudden your whole world is changing. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, when you live right here, there is no margin. There's no margin for error. But if you live over here where God invites you to live... Now you have a margin for error. And why does he invite you to live over Because he knows you're going to make mistakes. Margin is this, it's on the screen, the amount of available that's available beyond what is needed, the extra or the reserve. See, we're here and we don't have anything extra. There's no reserve. But if we learn to live over here, now all of a sudden we have some extra space. We've got some reserve that's available to us that if we make a mistake, it doesn't cost us everything in our lives. As margin decreases, here's what happens. Stress begins to increase. When margin decreases, when you go from over there to over here, stress begins to increase. Every single one of you who live in San Diego understand this, if you're a driver. <laughs> How many of you had to be someplace like five minutes ago and you're stuck in traffic? and you're stressed out. Why are you stressed out? Because as margin decreased, you start looking at your, I was supposed to be there five minutes ago. Stress began to increase. Number two is when margin decreases, focus narrows. Instead of focusing on what God wants for our life, instead of focusing on the things of God, instead of thinking about the things of God, he said, think on these things. He has things he wants us to think about. We begin to focus on our problems. We begin to focus on the stress. We begin to focus on, as the Bible calls it, the cares of this world. As margin decreases, number three, relationships suffer. Relationships happen in margin, including your relationship with God. If your schedule is so packed that you're here and you have no time for anyone else, you're not going to be able to have relationships, friendships, or intimacy with people in your life. And so we need to have margin in our lives, in our time, in our schedules, so we can bring people into our lives. In marriages, in marriages, if you don't have margin, then you don't have intimacy. Because bus- the business of the enemy is to, to take us away from our relationships and take you away from that marriage covenant that you've made with your spouse and therefore you lose intimacy. All of your relationships require margin. So how do we, how do we push back from, how do we push back from the edge a little bit in our lives? And I, just a couple things and we'll be out of here. But number one is this. You need to recognize that all of us have limits. Right? How many of you would say you have financial limits? If you don't, please see me at the end of the service, (laughs) right? just just, Let's just keep it real here. We all have financial limits, so if we're spending every penny that comes in and we're living right here, all it takes is a flat tire, a hot water heater to go out. All it takes is something unexpected, and now we're over here, and our whole world begins to spin out of control because we haven't built financial margin in our life. What about moral limits? How many of you know we all have moral limits? And if you, if you struggle in an area, then you can't go. An alcoholic probably shouldn't attend a bar to have a dinner. Right? <laughs> you said it, not me, whoever that was. Amen. Because <laughs> there's no margin. Right? You're, you're putting yourself close to the temptation right there. We all have emotional limits. We all have physical limits. There was things I could do 20 years ago that I can't do today. That doesn't make me very happy. Like my son could never beat me at basketball 20 years ago. (laughs) Now he thinks he can, he can't, but he thinks he can. Talking about Jackson now, not Joe, amen. (laughs) He's only nine, he can't take me yet, he thinks he can. And believe it or not, we all have spiritual limits if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to do his work in our life. And that's why we're going to spend June and July looking at the Spirit and how we can walk in the Spirit and how we can communicate with the Spirit and what the Bible says for the New Testament church and how we can, we can be Spirit-led people. But we all have limits, all of us. If we're going to push away, the second thing we need to understand is we were created as a relational being. Remember I said relationships require margin and God wants us to live with margin in our lives relationally. Take a look back at what he did for the nation of Israel. He said, okay, listen, for six days you can work. I mean, in America, you got it good. You don't have to do five, some of you, but he said in six days you work, but on the seventh day, you don't do anything. He said from 24-hour period from sundown to sundown. You don't do anything for that 24-hour period, but you rest. You get all your meals put together. You're not cooking. You're not cleaning. You're, You're going to rest, and you're going to spend time with your family. Now, the God who created us and knows us full well is saying, trust me, you can get a whole lot more done if you just do it my way. But that's not the way of the world, is it? See, the way of the world is to live right here on the edge. Like, if I work harder, if I, if I put in extra hours, if I work seven days a week, if I work 70 hours a week, if I work 80 hours a week, I can get ahead. I can make it happen. Can I, can I say that God is able to open doors that no man can shut and shut doors that no man can open. And I'm not saying don't work hard. I'm just saying, why don't you work hard for the time that you're there and then the time you're supposed to rest, rest, Right? I mean, God created us and knows us full well, and he, he set it aside. In fact, he even said, hey, there's a year that I don't even want you to plant crops. What's the principle? He said, Ev- even nature needs to rest. Even nature needs margin. He goes, I want you to live with margin in your life. Trust me, he says. And number three, margins provide, if we're gonna push back and create margin, margins provide for a better life. Here's my TBH moment. Write this down. You ready? Here's my TBH moment. When you squeeze margin out of your life, it's not on the screen. You're going to have to listen. Old school, listen, right? When you squeeze margin out of your life, you're squeezing God out of your life. See, some of you are in pursuit of a better life and you're trying to do it in your way. And God says, I'll give you an, a better life. I'll give you an abundant life. I'll give you a life everlasting. I'll, I'll bless you. I want you to be blessed. And every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. And I wanna come down and I wanna show forth my glory and I wanna prove that you're my children and my children get good gifts. And I wanna reward you and I wanna show myself off through your life. I don't want everyone to know that you're my people and you're my blessed people. He said, just do it my way. And we're over here going, no God, I just gotta work eight days a week. God's like, I only made seven. I, I know, but I'm putting in extra time. He said, just, just trust me and do it. Just do it my way. If you don't have margin in your life, when you're squeezing margin out of your life, or you're moving towards the line, then you're squeezing God out of your life because it takes time to develop a relationship with God. It takes time to be in God's word. It takes time to pray. It takes time to meditate. It takes time to journal. It takes time to worship. It takes time to be in God's house. It takes time. And when we squeeze margin out of our life and we think we're getting ahead, what we're really doing is getting farther and farther and farther and farther behind. I hear people all the time that say this, I used to serve God, I used to go to church, but I just don't have the I just don't have the time. Why? They've squeezed it all out to get here. I just don't have the time. I'm working, I'm trying to get ahead. Don't you see? Don't you, don't you see what's really going on? They don't have margin. It's amazing how fast we can get our schedules together. And we can get everything intact the moment that we experience. I didn't know he was going to share this today, but it's in my notes. But when we have a heart attack, all of a sudden we can get everything in order. You know how much more you get done the week before you go on vacation than you do the other 51 weeks of the year? You ever notice that? I mean, we're amazing at getting organized and planning and getting so much done the week before we go on vacation so we can enjoy our vacation. It's called margin. Margin. True story, there's people that, in my former church, we lived by this lake. And most of you know we lived, we lived in an area that was the, the meth capital of the Midwest. There was a lot of hurting people, and, and we loved to see what God was doing, transforming these lives. And people would come in addicted to meth or alcohol or maybe other addictions, and, or, or maybe they were just lost, and they were trying to find their way, and Jesus would come into their life, and God would do something amazing in their life. And not only would they get, not only would they give their life to Christ, but then they would start finding out what God's will was for their life, and they would, they would, they would, you know, begin to change from the inside out, and they would go and apply for a job, and then they would get a little bit of a, a raise, and God continued to promote them, and they would say, "Pastor, I'm able to buy a house for the first time in my life," and we would celebrate that with them. And a couple months later, they'd show up under the new car, and we'd be like, "That's incredible! Look what God is doing!" They're like, "Yes, God is so great." And, and then it's just just a you know, year later, they get another job and maybe their spouse had gotten a job and now they have all this income that they never had before. And they go out and they buy a boat. They gotta have something to pull the boat. So they go get an SUV. And they start pulling the boat and the SUV down to the lake. And at first, they leave on Fridays in the evening and they come back on Saturday night so they can be in church on Sunday. But then they start saying, "Pastor, we, you know, we've got this sixty thousand dollar SUV and we got this big boat, and now we've bought a place that we sublet at the lake. It's our house, and and we've got and we we got to get our money's worth out of it. So you, you probably won't see us for a couple of weeks because we're going to be going to the lake." What'd they do? They started all the way over here. They were lost. They had nothing. When they stumbled into church, they had absolutely nothing, but sometimes the clothes that were on their back. And God began to bless them, and he gave them jobs and careers and gave them blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing. And then they began to serve all of those things and serve, instead of serving him, and they got right here. And now they're like, we don't even have time for church anymore. Pastor, we love you and we love God. We just don't have time for church. By the way, the Bible says that, God, that Jesus so loved the church that he shed his blood for the church. Jesus loves the church. I think anybody that's really in right relationship with God, guess what? I think you'll love the church. Come on, say good amen out there. Amen. If not, you're telling on yourselves. Come on now. Right? But I've just seen that happen in so many people's lives, and it's, it's the blessing of God that begins to take the precedent over God himself who gave them the blessing. That's why we squeeze margin out, I say you're squeezing God out. And Here's the fourth point, last one here is this. Everyone lives with margin. They're either limits you choose or limits that culture presses upon you or limit your heavenly father invites you to live in but we all live with margin we all live with margin revelation three twenty. many of you know it says here i am jesus it says i stand at your door and i knock and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door i will come in i'll eat with him and he with me don't make my home there i mean this too deals with margin and you can either open a door to God's purpose and God's plan and God's giftings and God's great things for you, or you can keep the door shut to Jesus coming into your life. I saved the Bible story to the end. I usually share it at the beginning, but it's found in Luke chapter 10. And if on your electronic device or in your Bible, I want you to turn to there. It's a familiar passage, but I want to walk through a few verses with you before we pray and we leave. But in Luke chapter 10 and verse 38, It begins this way. It says, "As Jesus and the disciples went on their way, they were leaving someplace, and they came to a village. It's Bethany. That's the village. It's Bethany, the place where a woman named Martha. By the way, Jesus, if you'll study the the town or this village, Bethany, it became a respite for Jesus." Jesus would often go there after big miracles. He was best friends with Mary and Martha and with Lazarus, and, and he would oftentimes go there as kind of as a rest, but they would invite him in. They would take care of him. It was away from the crowds, and he was able to, to refuel, and then he would go back out into ministry. And, and here he is. He's going to Bethany, and he, he's hanging out with Martha and Mary in, a, in Lazarus' place, and, and here he is in the middle of that. It says, and she opened her home to him. You know, like, This is great. I mean, who wouldn't, right? You're Jesus, and you want to hang out with me. All right, it's open to you anytime you want, right? Verse 39. And she had this sister called Mary, which you already know, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. So he's obviously teaching. So he's sitting in this chair, maybe in the living room, and, and she's sitting right there at his feet, and she's just taking it all in. Everything that he's saying, for such is the kingdom of heaven. She's just, oh. That's awesome. And you can tell probably, it's, you know, I'm, I'm adding to here, but the spirit is doing something in her heart. She, she's being drawn to this teaching and the truth of this teaching, like I hope you are today. And she's just sitting there in, at his feet. But Martha was distracted. Now everybody say distracted. distracted. Martha was, She's distracted. How many times do we let the distractions of this world come in and remove the margin in our lives? I mean, Jesus even said as much earlier on, didn't he? He said, you let the cares of this world, huh? He said, the worries of this world. He said, don't do that. He said, focus on the Lord. Trust, Trust in God. Serve him first and then all these other things will take care of itself. In other words, if you serve God and seek him first over here, then you're creating margin for God to work and do all the other things that you're worried about. But if you let the cares and the distractions of this world come over here, now you've squeezed God out, and you're worried about all the things, and you're having to shoulder yourself. So now you're carrying the cares of this world yourself. What did Jesus say? Come unto me. So let's go back over here. Come unto me. We come over here. And he says, and I'll take that load off of you. I'll, I'll shoulder the load for you. It doesn't have to be heavy. I'll, I'll do it for you. Well, we can either shoulder the load over here and be distracted, and we have no margin in our life, and if we make one mistake, we cross over. Or we can come over here at Jesus' invitation, come unto me. All here uh, weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Well, this sounds like a better deal. That's why I say it's an invitation to create margin in your life. He gives you an invitation. Let's go back to the passage as soon as I find it because I just clicked out of it. Don't you love technology? (laughs) Here it is. So Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, now picture, here's here's Mary, feet of Jesus. Martha's coming out of the kitchen. She's like... She says this, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? Tell her to get up and to help me. Here's Jesus. Now, I'm not Jesus and you're glad of that. Because if I was Jesus, I'd probably be like, yeah, that's not fair. Why don't you get up? She's making me something to eat, and we can carry on this conversation later. Just go ahead and go help your, your sister. There's a lot of work that needs to be done, and I'm a little hungry anyway. And that's not what he said, though, is it? Martha. He says it a second time. <laughs> Martha. He's not trying to be little. He's just trying to get her attention because she's, she's busy. She's distracted. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Let me just stop again, just teach a second. How many things are you worried about that you actually can control or you need? I mean, you know, we were at graduation this week and they said it called for rain and we could get all upset and all worried about if it's an outdoor graduation. We get all upset. It's gonna rain. We could, be, we could have been over here for a whole week. It's gonna rain. Well, they say it's gonna rain. Well, guess what? It's gonna rain. We better be prepared for rain. How I many know I can't make it not rain? I can't keep it from raining. Well, what I can do is just go, well, we'll just leave that in the Lord's hand. Guess what? It didn't rain. You know why? Because the weatherman's never right. Anyway, that's a different story, different sermon, different topic. If you're a weatherman, I love you. Just kidding. It's just, but few things are needed. And again, just stop a second. How many things are you that you're worried about, you're distracted about, that you're caring about right now, that you really don't need? I'm not saying they're not good things. What Martha was doing was a good thing, right? I mean, I love it when I go home, my mom goes, I'm going to make all your favorite stuff. I go, praise God, <laughs> right? I've got, I've got fruit cups in the freezer, and I got this over here, and I've been cooking for days, knowing you're coming. There's cookies in the tin, and I'm like, yes, praise God. Hmm? <laughs> but there's, I don't, I don't have, you know, I don't need, I don't need all those things, Right? don't need all those things we don't need most of the things that are distracting you in your life right now you don't need them few things are needed and he goes on to say or indeed there's really only one thing and mary has listen mary has chosen what is better He's not saying that what Martha was doing was wrong. He's not saying it's not good. He's not saying that what you're doing in your life right now isn't good. He's just saying, there's something that for you that is better. He never once rebuked Martha. He never once said, why don't you come in here and sit at my feet? Don't you have a hunger for God? Don't you have a hunger to know about the kingdom of heaven? I mean, I'm only gonna be with you for a short while and then the Son of Man is going to be gone. He told that to his disciples, but he didn't say that to Martha. He just, he simply looked at her and he said, listen, he said, what you're doing is good, but what Mary has chosen is, is better. It's better. And he goes, and I will not take it away from her. So so let me, let me just close this by asking you, where are you living your life? I mean, are you living life on the edge? Have you cut margin out of your life and so therefore you've cut God out of your life? Or are, are you ready to really re- receive the invitation to come and create some margin in your life to get something that's better? What you're doing is not wrong. I'm not here to tell you you're doing it wrong. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Martha wasn't doing anything Wrong. He just said, Mary chose something that was better. And God wants you to choose something that's better because God has something that's better for, for you. So, who knows best, you or God? I think God knows best. And I think if we're being honest, before we leave here today, we're like, well, God does know best. And I just, maybe you're like me, you're just a type A person, you wanna step in there and do it yourself and get it done. And Many times we get ahead of God sometimes in our life. But can I tell you, God has something better for you if you'll just take his invitation to create some space, some margin in your life and not live so close to the edge. Remember how we started? What can I get away with? What can I do? What can I get away with? And, and that's really what that's really what they're asking is this question, isn't it? What, what what they're really asking is what can I do to get as close to this area called sin and not lose out with God? And there's so many things that are happening in the local church today we don't have time for what i'm called this hyper grace movement where god just there's no retribution there's nothing that happens that god turns a blind eye that there's no impact on your life or your eternity because god is a god of grace well the bible does say god's a god of grace but guess what he's also a god of justice And if we continue to live a way that is like, as close as we can get to sin, and maybe even once in a while like this, you know what Hebrews says? If we continue in our sin, knowingly, that at some point, I don't know what that point is for you, there's no more sacrifice left for your sin. Do you know what that point is in your life? I don't. That's why I think it behooves us to create as much margin as we can in our lives. Because when we do make those mistakes, the righteous man stumbles seven times and he gets back up again. He's still righteous, he got back up. But if we live over here and we continue in our sin knowingly, one of these times we cross over and there's no more sacrifice left for our sin. And I have a theological stance on that. I think it happens when you die. I think as long as you're alive and you have breath in your lungs that you can say, God, forgive me. And if it's true and genuine repentance where you want to turn away from your sin and move towards God and walk away from your sin, God immediately will forgive you. I believe that with all of my heart. And so as we leave here today, I just want to ask you two questions and we'll be gone in two, three minutes tops. I'll let you get with your families and celebrate moms and take pictures and do all the things we have here for you. But first of all, there's two groups of people in a room based upon this message. And maybe you're here and you're a Christian, you know, you're a Christian, you're going to heaven, but your life is such that you're living too close to the edge. You don't have margin in your life. In fact, because you don't have margin, you've kind of cut, God out in some areas in your life. And if that's you, can you just slip your hand up right now just say, hey, pastor, pray for me. I'm gonna, This is a turning point in my life. You say, well, you didn't say heads, bad eyes, closed, no one look around. No, I didn't. I just want to know who's sincere and who's really, really dealing with this and want to get right with God. Just put your hand up. I'm going to pray for you in just a second. Yeah, there's hands. There have been some hands. Come on. You put your hands down. And how many of you are here? And maybe... Maybe you're living just a little too close. Maybe you don't even know where you'd spend eternity. Maybe sin is resident in your life. Maybe sin is present in your life because you've never asked Christ to come in and forgive you. Today would be a day to do that. In fact, if your mom's brought you here, your grandmother's brought you here, it's the greatest gift that you could possibly give them, I promise you. It's not what's in a little box, it's not a flower in a vase, it's not a meal that you're going to pay for. It's when you walk out of here and you say, Grandma, Grandpa, Mom, Dad, guess what? Today I gave my life to Jesus. My sins are forgiven. I know where I'd spend eternity. They'll rejoice with you, I mean, like you've never seen. Am I telling the truth, moms? Huh? Huh? So if that's you, if you're in this place and you don't have Christ in your life, but today you need him in your life, would you just slip your hand up? We're gonna pray for you too. Yeah, we're not bowing heads, closing eyes today. We're just talking about who's real with God today. So I need Jesus and I know I need Jesus. Come on, put it up. We're gonna pray for you. Say, Pastor, why are you doing it this way? Because the Bible says that if you lock out of here and you're ashamed of Jesus in front of men, then he'll be ashamed of you before your heavenly father. If you can't live for God inside the four walls of a church, here's what I know. You won't live for God when you leave this place. So I'm asking you sincerely, if you're lost and you need Christ in your life, you're not sure where you'd spend it. I'm just asking you, just slip your hand up. We're gonna pray and I'm gonna let you out of here. But you mean business with God today. You put your hands down, all of this building, everybody bow your heads down, pray with me. Father, I thank you. For your divine invitation, God, to come into your presence and find help in our time of need. I thank you for those that are in this place. God, that their eyes maybe have been awakened, that, Lord, they recognize that they're, they're too far, that they're too close, rather, to, the, to that line. God, that proverbial line that's there in the sand somewhere, and they haven't, they haven't created some margin. They've been too distracted, too busy. Too unfocused, truly really about the things that really matter. You have something better for them. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would minister to them your grace this morning. I pray, God, that you would that you'd put your arms around them. God, I pray that you'd let them know there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But Lord, this moment was created for them and that as you bring them back and you draw them away from that line, as you help them this week to establish boundaries and you help them to establish margin in their life so they can have financial margin, emotional margin, and spiritual margin. And Lord, your blessing will begin to flow to them and through them you have something better, better. And God, for everyone here that needs Christ in their life, I want this whole audience, would everyone in this room, would you repeat after me? Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life. Thank you for dying for me and for loving me and for receiving me just as I am. I make you my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you hadn't already, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like to further connect with us here at Faith Chapel, visit us online at faithchapelsd.com or on any social media platform at Faith Chapel SD. We hope to see you real soon.